All right, if that doesn't clue you guys in on what we're doing today, then uh, apparently nothing will. And if you don't know, she's too young for you, bro. Uh, nice choice. We, we are. Right? <laughs> yeah. By the way, I do have a small case of the allergy, so I apologize for any sniffles coming coming your way. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, we're going to do a little uh, thing where we're doing a versus match against Connor and Ryan. Uh, I am your moderator, Ted, with my co-moderator, Duncan. Hey there! Uh, basically, we're going to ask them questions uh, right off the top of our heads. Ryan is going to be for the Maguire Spider-Man. That would be Tobey Maguire, uh, who did three movies, Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, because they couldn't bring, think of any taglines for those. And uh, Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2, because taglines are not a thing in the Spider-Man universe until they get to Marvel, will go to Duncan. I mean, to uh, Connor. So uh, I was going to say, Duncan's moderating <laughs> and arguing? That seems perhaps unfair. Counterintuitive. I Wait, am. Yeah. Well, after the last debate. <laughs> well, I know, you're a warlock. Uh, so, uh... Let's uh, start this off with uh, some opening speeches on which, uh, why your Spider-Man is the best. And uh, for that, I'm going to think of a number between 1 and 5. Ryan, what's that number? 11. Connor, what number? I'm going to say 3. Alright, so Connor was the closest without going over. Connor gets to start. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um, okay. The number you purposely four. fucked it up. You screwed up your <laughs> chance. Uh, you missed your shot. Come on. Um, on a complete tangent, if anybody hasn't done a daily event, there is a war set coming. I hate you. In- interrupting the podcast. You get marks for the first one yes, and all please. that, remember? Yes. Sorry, for the listeners at home, once we do this debate, we're also casually running a little Destiny. So, All right. So, so if you hear any side chatter, it's off. just from that. So to kick things off, um, I always felt that Andrew Garfield managed to capture Peter Parker uh, as, as well as I've ever seen. He was all when they had him early on being the nerd who was very awkward socially, that came across well. And he had his moment with Flash that showed his character, too. And it it showed you where he like was Toby coming from that? and where he was going very clearly, and I liked that. And then later like on... Toby when he was get, able to do it? Hold on, hold on. No, he gets you're a moderator. There's a, there's sort of a, sort of an unofficial conch kind of thing. Like he gets to make an argument, then I make an argument, uh, and then I'm you can come in and tear both apart. Clarification. Okay. We'll save the contrast for later. But like when he later on when he got the powers, he was always like the motor mouth that you that most uh, hardcore fans expect from Spider Man was right on point. It was wonderful. Um, the power portrayals too. Like I've got a much better sense of uh, just Spider-Man's dynamic 
uh, mix of agility and super strength uh, came across better. Okay. The I'm I'm waiting to see where Tom Holland comes, but since we've got like five minutes of screen time with him, that's obviously and why he's I'm already best Spider Man. side what? of the debate. <laughs> I, I, I would have taken it if it was offered. <laughs> right. No, we're gonna have to wait that's for Holland. That's kind of what I was really expecting. That. That's kind of how I was expecting my side of this. No, I understand. We're we're comparing five films of Maguire and a combined Maguire and Garfield to about twenty minutes of Holland. So. Yeah, and we still all feel that Holland has the best uh, portrayal so far. Yeah, really. <laughs> Though each each Spider-Man, to some degree, benefits just from the marching of technology. I mean, <laughs> I feel like Spider-Man web-slinging is a thing that gets progressively better in each movie, from Spider-Man One to ASM Two. Yeah, I will. I will go ahead and throw on the caveat that when I say I felt like his powers were portrayed better, that does in part come from experienced filmmakers and the fact that they have better technology to work with. That, that that's said, I think we're debating the movies themselves more than specifically the actors, so I would still throw it out there. All right, so... Are, are we talking about portrayal or are we talking about films as a whole? Before just before I frame my my response, we're talking about films as a whole. Okay. Um, well, one thing I would start with, uh, Connor. You mentioned for Garfield feeling that he kind of portrayed a more accurate Peter, and I would agree in some ways. But I would say that one strength of Toby's, especially as far as the origin story, uh, Amazing Spider-Man kind of had a rocky start in that it was kind of a Spider-Man 4, but also a Spider-Man 1 again. And so it, right. it's that particular entry suffered a bit from trying not to be too hard of an origin while also being a total origin. And one of those ways is with our our different, maybe more ultimate comics-y, Peter. It, Toby right. in the first Spider-Man movie was very much a classic Peter Parker. He was, he was nerd who... Nobody respected. He all kind of had crushes on certain girls. They they gimped on the Gwen thing. One story went like right. super heavy on Gwen, while the other kind of avoided it almost altogether. Yeah, but, um, Gwen's portrayal. I just feel like we had we had a much more of like the nerdy, shy, awkward, relatable Peter in Toby, and then we had pretty much comic perfect like Uncle Ben and. Losing Uncle Ben up until Spider-Man 3, which I'm just going to choose not to go into. <laughs> it was Sandman all along. What? No. But just looking at I the feel- first Spider-Man anyway. Alright. Uh, I, I do feel as a caveat, if I'm talking about Spider-Man 1 and 2, I feel that I can make an argument. If I'm talking about Spider-Man as a trilogy, Amazing Spider-Man's going to win a little bit because Spider-Man 3 uh, hurt. Okay, uh, I can't blame you. Three, three kind of jumped the shark. Duncan, I can see you writing down questions as uh, we do this. Not really. I can't really see. Yeah. Uh, you can see him. That's impressive. He's not terribly inaccurate in his assumption, however. Okay. But uh, do you want to ask one of those questions? I want to know why Connor feels that the. Uh, 
the Amazing Spider-Man portrayal of Peter Parker, not of Spider-Man, but of Peter Parker, was better than the Tobey Maguire one. And I want to know Ryan's response to that. All right, your two minutes Like, begin. in detail, just Peter Parker. Two minutes begin just now. Just Peter Parker. I actually think that's a potential compromise right there, is that maybe ASM has a better Spider-Man, and Spider-Man, Raimi Spider-Man has a better Peter. Well, that's my personal opinion of that, but I want to know how you guys view the differences in Peter Parker, because both of you made arguments for your Peter Parker being a being a solid point in favor of your personal movie. Right. I felt like Andrew Garfield captured more of that very awkward feel. Like, Tobey Maguire felt like an outcast, but he always felt like an outcast just because he was smart and didn't really know how to engage. Whereas Garfield was, when he was interacting with people just as Peter Parker, he was distinctly awkward. And in fairness, though, of, Peter in his... Oh, sorry. I interpreted your pause as finishing. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Peter's, uh, especially early on, has never been... Uh, or rather, he's always been um, fairly, awkward, fairly awkward when it comes to uh, other people. And then that grows and starts to... Uh, leave the character as he becomes Spider-Man. And whereas... Okay. It's hard to f- phrase. When Tobey Maguire uh, was acting as Peter, he was bullied because he was smart and not athletic and Flash was an asshole. When Andrew Garfield uh, was bullied, it gave more the impression of he's being bullied because he uh, tries to talk to people and embarrasses himself just because he doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. Fair enough, I can see where you're coming from. Your rebuttal. I actually somewhat disagree because if we're looking at Peter's high school years, he was very, like, we're looking at, like, kind of a a Ditko era, like, classic Spidey kind of interpretation with with the Raimi movies. And he was very much this kind of outcast nerd who was, like, your typical, like, Billy from Power Rangers where he was dunked into trash cans and robbed of his lunch money. And then when he became Spider-Man, he had to kind of deal with not wanting to murder everyone who had been doing him wrong. But then, yes, getting more confident. I feel that we get that moving into, like, beginning of Spider-Man 2, he's a much more confident character. Well, yes, but he's kind of coming to his own. That sort of bullied backstory, too. But he, he he was more like he was intervening and stopping Flash from bullying other more. Parker-esque kids. And I also feel like he didn't really change. Like, in Spider-Man 2, he was very much still the Peter of Spider-Man 1. You know, like, Gwen always had eyes for him. He didn't have trouble getting getting a date. He was always charming, and he, he was bullied by a specific jerk. 
and that guy's click, but he wasn't a an outcast. He wasn't like a loner nerd type, which Comic Peter was before he became Spider Man. Fair enough. Okay, I might, I might have to concede this one. I have more people. All right, so hold on, Wait, I'm having a child interruption. I have more people. My oh. town's under construction. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about your town after. So, uh, my question to both of you at the moment is, uh, with that being said, and we're going into the comic book uh, aspect of it, and uh, just to give a little bit of background, what Ryan is saying is true. The comic book Peter Parker bullied by a certain nerd and such uh, was a big thing with the comic books that Sam Raimi was referencing. But in right. there was more of an ultimate universe Peter Parker who was more of a loner uh, and uh, you know he was, did web design. Uh, and that pun is it's uh, there for itself uh, in the Ultimate <laughs> Universe. This little, is true. Yeah. Ultimate was, Peter Parker was a little bit more of a well-adjusted, more modern take. He he also never had trouble like getting dates. Also, like he dated Shadow Cat for a while, and I think he like had a crush on Mary Jane at one point or something. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not Mary Jane. I'm sorry, uh, Jean Grey. Jean Grey. I mean, Jean Grey. Oh, okay. You really I was blame it's like uh. I would, I would call that a bit more than a crush. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you really blame the guy again. Like from an X-Men crossover. <laughs> Either way, Red things, Jean Grey has... Uh, well, to be fair, it's also Jean Grey has always had a thing about attracting really powerful people in very different ways. Whether it's Wolverine, Cyclops, or in this case, Spider-Man. But, so, with that being said, I mean, we do have those two aspects, and I do believe that uh, that version of Peter was the version that they mainly went with for the Amazing Spider-Man series. But, what my question is now is how do those various comic franchises, I guess you would say, the different ones, uh, how do they encapsulate the powers in your opinion uh, versus, you know, the comic counterpart. So for Connor, that would be uh, the Ultimate U- Spider-Man universe, and for Ryan, that would be the original Spider-Man universe. And Ryan, why don't you start? Well, is there a difference? I don't think there's a difference in their power set. Yes, but I'm saying there how is, they captured it, it in the movies. Yeah, how the powers are portrayed. Like Miles has his little spider stinger thing, but like his his his, his blast, but. Peter, I think, just pretty much had core Spider-Man abilities in Ultimate. I, I think the core of the question is how did how, each how movie handle each powers? Movie? Yeah, how well, I'm just saying in this powers? case, the, the the I'm just saying that the distinguisher is moot because their powers are the same. So it's just how did each movie portray Spider-Man's powers? Spidey sense, super strength, yes. web slinging. Okay. That's what he's saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But I'm basing it off of the character arcs that you guys went into in your last question. Like, how are they portrayed 
using their different, uh, I guess, archetypes that they used in the various movies. Like, if the, okay. Tob- if the Toby Spidey was created based mostly off of the uh, s- classic 616 Spider-Man, how do you feel that the movies portrayed the classic Spider-Man 616 powers? As opposed to how its powers were handled. Uh, I can, for brevity's sake, I can answer the question with I just don't understand the the distinguisher because again, their powers are the same period, so it's still going to come down to just how did each series portray Spider-Man's powers? Because oh, one second, my TV decided to mess up. Uh, one second, one second, one second. All right, now you can go. Because for some reason, the only key. Yeah, it wasn't recording you. Yeah, am I going? Yeah, you're you're good now. Okay. <laughs> the only difference uh, between their power set and this was a late addition, uh, before Miles, around the time Miles Morales took over, was when Peter died and then came back alive, and you kind of realized that he was oddly immortal thanks to some Norman Osborn screwery. But that's not an arc that came anywhere near being a thing for the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Okay. So how do you feel that the powers were portrayed then? Um, I feel that as far as the physical set, the technology was better in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. But I feel that Toby... This might just be actor difference. I feel that Toby had more power and physicality to his fights. For example, his brawl with Dr. Octopus on the subway is, is a good example showing his agility and just, like, physical strength. Or just, Spider-Man 2, in general, I think, did better even than Spider-Man 1 as far as showcasing that. And they did a lot better with mm-hmm. him being a bit of a quipster, too, like when the fight in the bank... When Doc Ock throws the uh, the bags of money at him and he just grabs him and redirects him, and he's like, "Here's your change," or you forgot your change or something. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. That's and actually... part of that might just like it might just be the actor too. Toby's a little bit stockier than Andrew Garfield, so he might have just worked towards that. Plus, I think in the Garfield era, the Spider-Man scenes had more CG, so they could kind of manipulate it more like you know in that kind of cutsceney way that they do nowadays. Right. So he definitely came off as, like, a faster Spider-Man. They certainly took more advantage of it. I don't know that I felt that that they had perhaps different abilities so much. I felt that uh, the one showcased it more than the other. And which one would that be? If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if if we're talking display of powers, it's going to be really hard for... Anyone arguing the Raimi franchise to top the uh, the Electro uh, scene on the stairs where Peter like rescues all the people and stops the car and that was just a brilliant display of spider power. Yeah, and I'm kind um, of arguing for the enemy well, here, I but think, I'm just giving props to props I actually think one of uh, the Raimi film's best uh, moments was his fight with Ock on the clock tower, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garfield tops that pretty easily. Like, he's... Even from the first movie, he's much more fluid in how he fights. 
and even going into uh, the more personal differences of of him chattering away, like that comes down to power too, largely because he does that because he's either a scared and his mind is thinking too fast, or b bored out of his mind because it because his reflexes just make the whole fight seem way too slow. And either way, adding that adding a more quippy Spider-Man to a more agile Spider-Man uh, works into that. Agreed. Um, where I would give Toby his points, though, like I said, was in certain physicality. I feel like one thing we didn't get as much while they were kind of embracing the speed, reflexes, and all of all of that aspect of them is Spider-Man who could, uh, you know, flip a tank if he got properly motivated. Like Spider-Man who fights the Juggernaut on occasion. I feel like Maguire is closer to that Spider-Man. Maguire got, like, more hefty lifting feats. He was more solid when he was throwing punches. There was a lot of kind of momentum into, into Garfield's kicks and stuff. Whereas... I feel like uh, Maguire's choreography would just have him just deliver hits. Not that he didn't use momentum when called for, too, but I just feel like they they used his super strength a little bit more, even if they weren't as good at portraying his super agility. Right. Alright, fair enough. Uh, Duncan, I'm sure you have another question. Really, my biggest question concerning the difference between the two Spider-Man or Spider-Men, I guess, is how do you feel about the portrayal of them due to minor differences, such as the design of the costume or the web shooters, even? Um, or lack the, of the fact that moment. Andrew Garfield has web shooters. You mean? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I really, I don't. Uh, I mean, I could tackle it as a college-level challenge if you want me to, but I really can't win that one. <laughs> I mean, I'm not asking for any winner. I'm asking for, <laughs> you know, a difference it, in it's, whether or not you think... Because, again, there are points in organic, comic books where Spidey does gain the organic webbing. So I want to know if you felt like it was a good that's, idea that's to start with that. Or if, it, or if they should have stuck closer to the original comics and had him design the web shooters with Toby. Uh, Pro-con of that, I think, would be for the Toby side. Uh, the, what you lose in the con there it, that uh, Garfield definitely had more of was super genius Parker. He was smart. They, they showcased that he was intelligent, and they showed, like especially in how like his respect with uh, his respect from, I'm sorry, Norman Osborn. But right. just not quite the, the tinkering, budding little scientist uh, that he should have been. That being said, there was a certain fluidity they gained in making the movie, and especially considering, like, they had a template already by the time they got to Amazing Spider-Man. But as far as figuring out how to convey Spider-Man in the big screen, they were able to just say, hand wave, there's a lot of... I don't know, I'm not putting it the right way. It's kind of like when you're reading a book. Like, look at, look at Lord of the Rings. And in the books, there's a crap ton of walking, and it gets condensed in the film, because you can't just waste an hour watching the characters stroll and tell stories about elves. And in that way, too, it's like, while in the comic book, you can devote a whole lot of time to 
making webbing, tricking out your webbing, acquiring the resources to make more webbing. Oh, crap, I've run out of webbing in the middle of the fight. Like, they, they went with the organic route, and they were able to kind of keep the story pace flowing without having to devote another 15 minutes of screen time just to web management. That's fair. And they did manage to, like, cut down on their introductory scenes by doing that because he has a very wide-ranging power set and they needed the time to make sure everything was shown. Right. I would say that the fact that uh, they got to assume that we'd seen that movie allowed them to delve more into it with the Garfield uh, era. Yeah. Because they wanted to show it. They they very much knew we wanted to see something different. Debating the movies themselves, I still feel that that counts as a point for the Garfield era movies because regardless of the why they still end up with a Spider-Man who designs his own web shooters because he's a goddamn genius. Okay. So I have a question. I think that's fair. Uh, Connor, this one's specifically for you, but Ryan can butt in uh, like he does. Uh, I'd like to interrupt and answer that question (laughs) as if it were my turn to speak. (laughs) Uh, That's that's an old SNL reference. Yeah, anyone who's listening to this probably doesn't understand because they weren't born before, you know, 1998. But you don't think there are old nerds watching this? Yeah, there might be. Or listening to this? Uh, but yeah, Connor, uh, in your film, uh, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker actually negates his uh, genius status with one simple thing: he uses Bing as a search engine. <laughs> oh, oh! Why do you got oh, to that sad? sweet, sweet product placement, right? Uh, how? Uh, and I, I have to take the hit because I've used the fact that regardless of why, it's in the movie. So I, I have to take the hit too. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't just say it's like, well, that was that was merchandising. That's completely. I, I've already. You, you had to wait. You can, until you I can say it. You can. Okay, but my question is, how is that a question? That's a hit and a point against the Andrew Garfield movies, but is there a question there? Uh, Can you justify? Justify using Bing instead of, say, Google? No. Oh, there are actually people who would, yeah. Um... I don't know. Is there anything that would make it more uh, appealing to somebody who would know how to use it it's got better video like, searching we've, we've, and we've it's not addressed owned by the Google. fact that he is a uh, we've addressed the fact that he is a web designer would that make any difference uh, not there are differences in the sorting algorithms that some people people who swear by Bing would probably be better to answer that question which I don't think any of us are but I have seen Bing versus Google arguments that people make the uh, the thing is, uh, actually, Bing does grant you various Microsoft dollars for using their search engine. Uh, that is the only argument that I could ever come up with. Uh, and that was actually from Nick. Oh, yeah, they do have that weird rewards program. Yeah. The more you... Ah, I mean, he is dirt poor, so that might... So he uses Bing for dem rewards. Yes. All right. uh, I will go with that as my final answer, because he has been shown in early stories to take any opportunity to scrounge up a little more cash. Thus why he sells pictures of himself to J. Jonah fucking Jameson. 
Can I just point out? I don't really. I, do I don't have really have Spider-Man selfies. Will always cool. subject yourself to that repeatedly. Can I just again point out the fact I, that Spidey took selfies before it was cool? Way before it was cool, <laughs> hipster Spidey. I don't really have an equivalent for the Raimi films because, I mean, 2001, well, he's probably on dial-up using Yahoo. <laughs> no kidding. Fair enough. Like, there's no... Duncan? Um, hmm. How do you feel about how they portrayed the, uh, his love interests? His relationship with either Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane? As done in the movies. I'm feeling very confident going into this one. Who do you want to start, Duncan? I feel... That's, that sounds um, like Connor was stepping but, up. <laughs> well, yeah. it does, but at the same time, I feel like since the since the movies came first, uh, let's go with Ryan first, Ryan because first. Mary Jane... Okay. Mary Jane came first, at least in terms of the movies. So I want to hear how he feels that Mary Jane did, and then we'll go forward slash back to Gwen. Oh, um, okay. Well, there's no denying that in the in the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, Gwen Stacy was mishandled. As far as Mary Jane, I actually think they did uh, pretty well. And I, it felt like maybe it was a, a condensing choice within the scope of the films of instead of going with, like... I, I, you know, Amazing Spider-Man kind of did the same thing, where it was, are we going to go with multiple years that we don't even know if we're going to get a sequel with the first one, so let's just go straight with his one-true pairing instead of doing the other thing. Right. And I feel that the the characterization of the ups and downs of of his relationship. It was, it was complicated. It was messy. Signals kept getting crossed when things were going right. Being Spider-Man would, I actually feel that in particular, the Raimi films did a better job of showing how much it could sometimes suck to be Spider-Man. You know, the guy who would always get fired because he couldn't make his deadlines. That is true. There wasn't a whole lot of, he he couldn't, even with his relationship on the line, uh, he couldn't make this curtain call to see MJ's play because he couldn't ignore people in trouble or because things would just happen because Peter Parker's life sometimes just randomly sucks. And we love him for it. And we do. But yeah, I, I feel like the complexities that um, pre-Casada uh, Spider-Man uh-huh. got to have in his relationship being married to Mary Jane, I felt that... Uh, they they touched into that fairly well in the Raimi era. I yeah, just just so everybody's aware, anytime somebody brings up the whole mess that was Joe Quesada's handling of Spider Man, I am going to groan, just instinctively. Well deserved groaning. <laughs> for those for those not aware, in the comics there came a point where Peter's marriage was dissolved not through organic storytelling. But because the editor at the time at Marvel had a problem with Spider-Man being married, so he made a deal with the devil, literally the Marvel Universe version of the devil, that absolved his marriage and basically pre-aborted his destined baby. It was, it was a it was a horrible mess. Ignore the because fact that he then began he to date uh, a character. Ignoring the fact that he also then immediately began to date a character with the same name as the producer's wife, or not wife, his daughter, <laughs> who daughter. everyone then proceeded to oh, say, is this oh, Carly? so perfect together. Yes. 
I mean, Carly's a cool character on her own. If, in the if comics, she if she I was well written after the fact, that's fine. But her introduction was yeah nonsense. Oh, absolutely no disagreement for me on that. All right, but we, it's uh, nice, Connor, your turn. The fact for, that we all have different movies, we can all lay down and agree that there are certain parts of this that just sucked. Before we even go yeah. any further, Actually, well, can we uh, oh, just sorry. say one thing about Joe Quesada? Uh, you know all of those uh, different Marvel television shows that we talk about? He is yes. deeply involved with every single one of those. Now you're making me afraid to get into those shows. I mean, they're good shows. <laughs> what what is his, his official title at Marvel? So he's not still editor-in-chief, right? Oh, oh, I think he's God, just producer. No. Uh, he's just a... It, He's more involved in the overall entertainment thing. He's yeah. not editing the comics as a whole, right? Specifically, right. He's he's okay. got a desk in a different office, basically. <laughs> I I'm less afraid though. So. It's, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to completely vilify Joe Casada in general, but what he did to Spider Man, or what happened to Spider Man under his watch. He wasn't the I, writer, but he was the he was pushing for certain outcomes. I, I've heard a lot of other stories, though. Like he was responsible for a lot of other uh, relationship screws, just because he felt like characters were less interesting if they were married. Are we are we talking about Cyclops? That, are we talking about yeah. Cyclops? Uh, among others. <laughs> I can't remember any of those at the moment, but I it, it is true. If you if you too. grew up on the comics, like in the eighties, nineties, what have you, there were a lot of there was a lot of forward legacy was sort of in that era. It was a big thing, showing these characters growing. Sometimes certain characters would step down, and you get legacy heroes, like those of us who are fans of, for example, Wally West, or over on the DC side, but you know Kyle Rayner for Green Lantern and stuff like that. And then there there. This period where, like, see, we kind of had their, we want our Golden Age back and had to reset all their characters. And on the Marvel side, it was like, oh, we want all our characters to be, like, unwed and broke. Okay. Because we don't like them anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's basically problem but uh, back on topic i suppose back on topic well if i could if i could say one thing about your era and then you could you, uh, it'll set, allow you to segue in with a response mm-hmm. okay i would say that i feel that for amazing spider-man the gwen stacy romance mm-hmm. for as a film i feel that it was very good but i also feel that it was sort of uh, an original creation in the specifics of how it was handled at least if you're looking at the comics, like, this Gwen Stacy thing, it was very much like the innocent high school relationship that ended tragically, and, you know, that that certainly happens in the movies. Yeah. But I feel like... That, I mean, she very I'm she actually, wasn't really okay. ultimate Gwen Stacy, but it was sort of an ultimate comics approach to the, uh, Peter's romances. Yeah, I'm okay with that though because Gwen Stacy did still act like Gwen Stacy, and therefore the fact that there was more chemistry and impact in the way the movie handled it than the way the comics handled it, I feel is a good thing. Like I never really you, you just thought much about Gwen Stacy until those movies where I grew 
very attached to the pairing all of a sudden. You just you just want to see Emma play Spider Gwen, don't you? I would love to see that. Oh hell yeah! Oh yeah, please. I think we all would love to see that. Well, it's like that, that too. Like, Spider-Gwen would not have been as important to me if I had not seen the Amazing Spider-Man movies and gone, Gwen Stacy is actually awesome. Agreed. Like, having heard that Spider-Gwen is now in the mainline universe and going by the rough assumption that um, Peter and Mary Jane still have not hooked up, if the writer's eventually decide that they're never going back there which i would hate i and they don't want to marry sue the uh, silk thing yeah well, i to would be fair i would be consider, okay with that i would actually consider uh him getting together with gwen even if just temporarily to be an acceptable consolation prize yeah because it doesn't I, look like felicia's uh, gonna be happening Again, I always personally Felicia felt was never like, going to be happening, though. Like, I personally Felicia felt like Felicia in particular could have happened. Exceptionally surly these days because of the whole auto thing. I felt I personally felt like I personally am a fan of, for example, the new relationship in DC Comics between Superman and Wonder Woman. I've always been a fan. Is that of, still a thing? Yes, that's a permanent thing. That is like permanently replacing that's Superman back. and Lois. No, they is, said is when they built back? it. Because they, they broke up for a bit. Yeah, I think it's back. Okay. But uh, um, I'm a fan of superheroes dating people who can, for lack of a better term, keep up. The whole Lois Lane getting saved or Mary Jane cursing him out for not even for missing a date or something, but simply for doing what she was well aware he was going to do when they got together. So... Back before Spider-Gwen was a thing, was a possibility, I kind of wish that we would have been able to get some more character development for Felicia and actually kind of have gone back to that because I felt like that had potential if both of the characters were able to grow beyond where they were at. But now that Spider-Gwen is a thing and Felicia is, as Ryan stated, exceptionally surly, I would be more She's a full-on anti-Spider-Man villainess. I would be more than happy really? to see Spider-Gwen and Spider-Man become the new standard. Because Gwen was supposed to be his original pairing. She was supposed to be it for him. Can as we, stated by Stan Lee. Can we talk about so. how... Just a little bit how the comics did the whole Amazing Spider-Man backwards? Or I'm not actually might have done the same way. I think uh, General Stacy died, or Captain Stacy died a month Captain before. Captain Stacy. Yeah, Captain Stacy died a month before Gwen died. And did the she then book? go to live with Peter and Aunt May? Uh, don't know that much because I never read. The article, or I mean, I never read the. Uh, I'm reading Let that me also off an throw article, out, not off the actual comics. Let me also throw out that that yeah, final scene is the reason I do not watch Amazing Spider-Man, rewatch Amazing Spider-Man two more than I do. Because knowing that it's going to happen Stacey doesn't does not 
cushioned as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, I still have bruises. Like, I that. knew what was going to happen when I walked into the theater, but I still had to see the movie. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Like, that, that is some emotional trauma that I am not not feeling right now. Bye. Oh, I feel like I should throw just some context to what we're talking about, too. Um, when we say Spider-Gwen, there is an alternate universe where Gwen Stacy was bit by the spider and Peter actually became the lizard oh, and yeah. died. So so she's the Spider-Woman. We call her her fan name and the name of her official comic is Spider-Gwen, but she's the Spider-Woman of her universe. And she got ported See? into the mainline comics. But um, her, So she has sort of a parallel to Peter having lost Gwen as this mark of tragedy. For her, it was that she lost Peter. So they actually have a cute moment in the big Spider-Verse crossover where um, they're kind of addressing this emotional turmoil at seeing each other. And, um, and she says, uh, maybe this time... throw themselves into danger, too. Yeah. And she says, um, you know, maybe this time we can save each other. Which I thought was a solid hint at potential future romance anyway, but... I would, I would be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Can we also, while we're bringing up the whole death of Gwen Stacy thing, point out that the first film uh, completely just, like, I don't even know how to feel about that mess. That, stole. Yes, stole and disrespected in a way. Uh, yeah, I think we... Are we talking about the bridge? Yes. The bridge throw? Yes. The fact that we had Green Goblin hanging Spider-Man's love interest off a bridge in the very first movie. And a bus full of kids for no reason. Yeah, because, well, that's because Norman is a dick, would be the reason there. But yeah, it's like... It's like, can we, can we address the fact that this was like seen as a good idea by the design team? I will address that fact if you will address the fact that on anything related to the name Osborne, the Raimi films uh, are about ten times better, with the possible exception of the Super Power Rangers mask. Acceptable. Acceptable, yeah. Because... What, you what gotta fuck at least one thing up in a movie. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's gotta be at least yeah, they, one thing. They're going with this heavy, like, animal motif, genetic science thing that wasn't fully explained because they were workshopping, like, a full expanded Spidey universe that got put on hold. And I am in no way, shape, or form upset with the manner in which those cancellations happened because it led to Spider-Man coming back into the MCU. Or coming into the MCU. But they were very much, like... Almost like when our DC podcast, we were talking about where DC is now. It's like, imagine if right now they cancel Justice League, but, you know, and then there's some other project. It's kind of like that. It's like they were workshopping a third Spider-Man film, and they wanted to do a Venom film and a Sinister Six film. Damn, I'm almost disappointed now. Right? And and that's where a lot of, like, what was going on at Oscorp with all these animal-themed villains and cyber, you know, every, everything kind of stemmed out of this, like, genetics research to create, like, super cures and or soldier kind of serums. 
because cap ties right. into everything and everyone's obsessed with the super soldier serum well that comes from the fact that they were the basing Hulk. their story on the ultimate universe which tried to merge like just about every single superhero origin somehow into the super soldier serum and or weapon x like everything stemmed from that in ultimate universe and now they're kind of actually shying away from that in everything that they're doing. Yeah. Even the MCU somewhat started off down that path and is now very aggressively moving away from that. Yeah. I feel like. Right. You have, uh, you know, different experiments happening on different characters in the MCU. Uh, you have... The whole Inhuman the whole, Crisis, yeah. Ghost Rider now. <clears throat> Excuse me. So everything's like. I love the fact that of the two, DC in the comics always felt like it was more willing to tackle actual magic outside of very specific, like Doc, like Doctor Strange, for example. You mean Doctor Fate? Everything else in Marvel comics who's like we've got the guy possessed by the soul of his dead uncle. (laughs) Uh, Fair. No, but, uh, yeah, there's always this push and pull of the suspension of disbelief as they try to branch out to more mainstream audiences. Right. Uh, and as per we've uh, as per our expectations, Marvel's handling it better. Go figure. Well, <laughs> that just seems to be the thing as far as as far as I, movies go. It personally has struck me recently as barring the TV shows because Arrowverse that the Flash. Or barring stuff like The Flash, um, Marvel has taken this stance in regards to their characters and their story where they're willing to evolve, to go beyond where things were at. And I feel like all DC is trying to do currently is to take their old storylines and slightly refurbish them. Okay. Fair enough. A uh, little off topic. A little bit. I don't disagree. With uh, let's get back, to steer back towards Spidey topic. again. Uh, yeah. Now this is just a uh, kind of a question that just pretty much is how you in the. Uh, let me just get to the question because I can't explain it. During the filming of the original Spider-Man movie with Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire, uh, they had Hugh Jackman on set, who and he was going to help Spider-Man save a bunch of people as Wolverine, and they decided against oh, it man. at the last minute because of copyright infringement. Now, I kind of wish they'd been able to slip it in before somebody had noticed. Right? Yeah. Like, once it's in the movie, you 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 missed your chance. Well, it's Hugh, out there. Hugh Jackman is actually in the movie from behind for about three frames. It's- What's kind of funny is in interviews after that, Hugh Jackman almost always has a handler. Like, yeah. not... Not in general for Hugh Jackman films, but like for anything regarding his comic book roles, like as Wolverine. There's usually someone there, almost making sure he doesn't go off script for what he's allowed to talk about. Yeah. But so, 
how because he would just randomly he would randomly he he seems like he would if nobody was watching randomly show up on the set of Infinity War no, in yeah. full costume. So how do you guys and we would love think, him for it. How yes. do you guys think? Yes, a character a character crossover would have been better in your perspective respective series. Ryan, you want to start? Uh, I think I have to concede this one in general because crossover with who? Blade? Oh, no. And, and no, dropping for future podcasts. If there were something, it doesn't have to be somebody in the universe, the Sony. In their universe. In their universe. It could be somebody that was outside of. Like, if there was no such thing as copyright infringement, do you think your uh, series would have handled that better? Well, I'm not talking about copyright infringement. I'm talking about what, like, in the Amazing Spider-Man days, there were, that was, like, an actual, like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if they could eventually work Garfield into maybe, like, Avengers? Which is more or less what we got, except they recast Garfield. Yeah, yeah they rebooted Spider-Man. But, he, like, we were still, like, when they first announced that they were canceling the other Spider-Projects for this Marvel thing, we were like, all right, are they going to hire Garfield? Like, then there was always discussion of we hope Sony can, and Marvel can work out crossovers. Whereas in the Raimi days, it's like there's like the X Men, pretty much it. So I, I would just feel like I would have to concede this point because I never really felt like it, the, the 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 Maguire ones felt relatively self contained. Yeah, fair enough. Like you didn't. It didn't get feel a like a universe that was expanding. They weren't yes. building the story with a larger-than-Peter mindset, whereas in a lot of the things now, even even ones that are solo stories, a lot of them kind of... Th- they know that audiences are looking for some of this stuff, so even if they're not playing the crossover, they still seem to throw out hints of there just being more going on in their larger world. Throwing in hammer technology for no reason? Yeah. Are you talking about uh, Luke Cage? I am. <laughs> yeah, Luke Cage could very much be a, a, an almost self-contained story, except for the fact that it's very much in a shared universe. And just if if you're just watching it, this won't leave you feeling lost. But if you've been well, watching all of the stuff, you recognize all these little references. There is there is a reference to Jessica Jones in a later episode that you haven't gotten to yet. Which they don't really go into, and it helps in uh, helps to know what's going on if you know like the Jessica Jones story. Does this have to do with? Because I remember when I was watching the part where they show his origin, I was like, "And at what part did the purple man get his hooks into you?" Uh, no, that's uh. It has to do with uh, a new thing that they that the bad guys get a hold of, and uh, Claire, uh, Claire actually comes in and references okay. Jessica, and then a whole different other thing. That I, I was hoping you were going to say. Uh, I was hoping you were going to say the debut of Hellcat. Yeah. So, uh, that's, another, that's somebody who does uh, cameo 
Okay. Uh, Trish Walker does cameo in Luke Cage, not to get completely nice. off topic. It's just a vocal cameo. But, yeah. Because uh, in... Hey, I'll take it. The MCU, Trish Walker has her own uh, radio talk show, kind of like what we do. Only oh, okay. uh, with a sexier person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, sexier uh, than the four of us? Impossible. <laughs> uh, you just hold on to that dream. I mean, you've got, you've got three Gil Boys <laughs> on one show. Yeah. Like, seriously. Okay. Get with the program, man. Uh, I'm not even going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> then, no matter how much you want to? That's actually what a lot of women probably say to you guys. I was actually going to talk to Chris about how much he wants to touch it with his 10-foot pole. Oh, well. oh, back in high school, they did call him the LD. <laughs> Didn't they? All right, uh, okay. back to Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, please. Spider-Man. Before everyone shoots their web load. <laughs> <laughs> and we pray that Chris doesn't actually listen to this podcast. Yep. Uh, but, uh, so. You know what's done out of love, Chris? <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Duncan, do you have any more questions about Spider-Man versus Batman? Hmm. I feel like we should be getting Uncle Ben and ones. Uncle Ben and Aunt May. I kind of want to know what their opinions are of the differences between that, and a little bit concerning the new new Aunt May. Uh, she's hot, <laughs> and I've been I'm in love with Marissa Tomei so since I was like ten. Was Marissa Tomei a Bond girl? No, you know, you might be thinking of uh, Lois Lane was a Bond girl. Terry Hatcher, yeah. No, I'm just thinking the world's not enough. I'm wondering. But uh, not that I recall. Go. She played but someone. If I'm wrong. But yeah, she no, she's been in a bunch. Was of she in the Halle Berry one that I've only seen oh. once because it was dumb? That is the world's not enough. Oh, sorry. Sophia Marceau is what. No, I'm isn't thinking. that Die Another Day? I'm thinking of Sophia Marceau, and that is Die Another Day. You're okay. right. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, Marissa Tomei is. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we've just we've all just lost our Bond fan cards. Sorry about that. But again, I don't think not remembering Die Another Day loses my Bond fan card. No. Uh, but uh, no, Marissa Tomei probably best known from My Cousin Vinny then. Yeah. <clears throat> Where she actually as far as pulls, uh, Perry White in, uh, if you guys are fans of Lois and Clark, uh, yeah. pulls Perry White in yep. Cars. I feel that we could six degrees of Kevin Bacon out uh, a bunch of these characters, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <sighs> so, uh, I don't even remember the actress that played Anne May in the first movie, what her name is. We had Sally Field in uh, the Amazing Spider-Man series. <clears throat> so, really old Aunt May. <clears throat> excuse me. Wow, really old Aunt May versus Sally. Oh, Field. she's so old. She's so old. 
I think that I actually lose this one. I didn't have a problem with the characters. Like, I enjoyed some of the, some of the more humorous interactions he had with Aunt May in The Amazing Spider-Man, but I... It felt more natural with the... Uh, in the Raimi films. Yeah, she's... She's... She's got the classic, like, her and Uncle Ben, it's pretty much note-for-note note comic book, what you expect out of Aunt May and Uncle Ben, and Great Power comes Great Responsibility. This this isn't, I guess, kind of the same thing. This is like the reverse of the web shooter argument, where there's a reason why one has the advantage of the other, but that doesn't necessarily win them a point. In this case, I feel like Amazing right. Spider-Man had the problem, again, with the reboot thing. Like, just did everything in their power not to just straight up go into with great power comes great responsibility. More it's like kind of freshen, kind of freshen up their Aunt May a little to. bit. and Yeah. So you kind of then get again, like a, a comfortable... We do have moments where it's like I was watching my the flag. My flag. Nobody washes the flag. What? <laughs> no, 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 no. That was the other one. We have no chimney. <laughs> and we also, I mean, if, if you're, like, the inspirational, the uh, one thing I love about Aunt May is that a lot of times it's hinted that she basically knows Peter's secret and just right. doesn't bug him about it, and you very much get that in the Raimi movie. She's got the inspirational quotes. She's she's kind of the one who talks about Spider-Man 2 when he's having his, like, his path of the hero crisis and he's like losing his powers over it and she's kind of the one who inspires him to go back out there without straight up saying like go go back to being spider-man you idiot no she leaves <laughs> that to mary jane later on exactly she says go get him tiger yeah exactly <laughs> well that's that's before i mean that's after he's reclaimed it but yeah she, she kind of actually like has she has the anecdote about the little boy who like looks up to him and yeah I, know, I just feel like you have like that that emotional kind of grandmotherly Aunt May from the comics, that 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 rock. Okay. Yeah. And there's no, you're right. that bit that little bit when she's talking about how he's not how he's not Superman. Yeah. <laughs> you're not Superman. <laughs> Who else? Uh, when they brought that up, awkwardly enough, I feel like in Man of Steel sometimes uh, Clark is getting the not Superman, you know, uh, treatment. Wait, 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 wait! I didn't hear what Connor said. I said, did anybody else, when she said that, just kind of look around and go, "Are, are they allowed to do that?" <laughs> A little bit, yes. Yeah. Are DC comics do DC comics exist in the Marvel Earth as comic books? Apparently, most likely, yeah. It's always uh, weird when you think well, of like, what, bits, mean, what, what media exists. Like, I think when it's like Spider-Man saves some kids, maybe catches a falling piece of rubble or whatever, and one of them goes, "You're that's right, I'm Batman." <laughs> well, there's also the one where um, there's this uh, scroll sleeper agent whose programming got scrambled, and he never just awakened as a scroll, and he was sort of a a super scroll type. Who had a wide array of powers that were basically of the Superman uh, category. And he had been sent to this nice, wholesome family out in, like, I think his was Kentucky. 
and he grew up on a farm with good Christian values and he, he moved to New York and he got a job at the Bugle and it was, just, it was oh a very God. obvious Superman parody. You're not talking Did about DC Hyperion, get pissed right? off? No, no, no. But what I'm saying is to the notion of do these other comics exist as comic book stories? Like, as he's going through his origin, you can kind of tell Peter's just like, really? Well, actually, to be honest with you, Marvel does own, I think, 25% of Superman. Really? Yes. But like, just in stock? Just, like, publicly yeah. traded stock? So that means that they get to make their cracks every so often, and DC doesn't isn't allowed to complain about it? Pretty much, yeah. I'm pretty sure... I looked something up, That's and awesome. apparently, um, when DC was starting off, they were doing pretty bad. The only reason mm-hmm. that Marvel does not own the DC Holy Trinity is because they didn't think they'd do well. Yeah. Ah! Oh! Jury's still out. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, for, is, if you give Zack oh, Snyder they don't do that well. <laughs> but... Uh, so, yeah, you know, here, here's a... Another thing. So, yeah. taking the main villain from your two movies, Connor, and the first two movies from uh, Ryan's series, who wins right. in a fight? So the lizard and Green Goblin, basically. Oh no, the lizard and versus uh, Electro. The liz- Oh, Electro. Okay. Versus Doc Ock and. Green Goblin. In a fight, or how did the movies handle them from, like, narrative uh, and all let's that? Let's go with a fight, because it's more entertaining that way. In, but they're movie versions of them. Um, um, I'm gonna say... I think, probably I think ASM on Electro. Yeah. If, yeah, well, I, also, I would have I to think say, Electro uh, trashes uh, Doc Ock, who was the more dangerous foe. From the Raimi film, I feel like my goblin beats your goblin on sheer viciousness and and battle sense. Uh, yeah, well, your goblin. I was, I was thinking. It was, I think it was the two on two. It was two oh on yeah, two, we said yes, right. I we think, weren't we weren't doing we weren't doing. Uh, I think lizard takes goblin though. That's, that one's debatable. That's debatable because mine mine can come in from the skies at Mach one with rockets. Yours can scale the building like he's King Kong. Uh, you don't. You don't forget. He can also get other people to turn into lizard people to to do his bidding. That's true, but that's if he has. Is this a fight or like a? Yeah, a but like that. That style. wasn't even a factor in his battle with Spider-Man in the film. So I don't know if that really counts. I think uh, that it, that, that each one of them kind of has one. Like if we're if we're looking at say Doc Ock versus the lizard. I would probably have to give it to the lizard. Really? And I would have to give it... Well, Ock is powerful, and Ock is smart, but the way Ock was portrayed in the Raimi movies, he lost his biggest edge when he went nuts. He stopped thinking logically and started basically going, you're in my way, move. And that kind of screwed him up. This is a 
rough rough power scaling comparison, so I'm not hanging my hat on it. But I would almost argue that Ock did better at subduing a more experienced Spider-Man than the Lizard did in a direct fight. Yeah, like that I definitely I, f- I, I feel like out. when the Lizard was like, "I'm go- I need to get this kid out of my way," Peter confounded the heck out of him. And when when someone said, uh, "Hey, I can give you a thing. Bring me Spider Man," he was like, "I'm gonna go get Spider Man." And then he went and he got Spider Man. No, that's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm talking. It's like okay, let's be perfectly honest here. They've always said every single time that Lizard trumps Spidey in terms of raw power. Oh yeah, I yeah. think the reason why I would give it to, to the Lizard instead of Ock is because the Lizard is. Ock with those arms trumped Spidey in terms of raw power. Huh? Okay. With the those arms, arms in the Spidey, in, not yeah. not that not that uh, Ock himself is physicality, but with yeah. the arms. With the arms, Ock was which can act pseudo Spidey. independently, almost as if they have Spidey sense because they have sensors and whatnot. I mean, they're not the adamantium arms per se, but they were able to hold the. Uh, the trillium, you know, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. So they were pretty durable. Okay. So what is the right. outcome of this fight? And because... It, well, I, th- I think I'm we not, all agree, though, that Electro kind of wins it. Electro trumps more or less. I think Electro... Yeah, I don't... So the, Electro, their version we're, we're of Electro... the others, but Electro just kind of breaks the whole game. Yeah. Electro just bombs everyone. And because because my Spider Man isn't does isn't anywhere near as fast as the as your Spider Man, like mm-hmm. Electro trumps my Spider Man. This is also true. P- like Peter because got to be that like borderline Peter speedster could, uh, version of Spider Man that is a super motivated comic Spider Man. Those like enhanced speed feats he can pull off when adrenaline's really kicking in. The uh, yeah, like, the, the Amazing Spider Man uh, version got to pull that off. Partly because the technology was just better to show the speed feats. And even with that, we still had that moment of Electro being a dick and playing the itsy bitsy spider with his head. Yeah, that was that was messed up. <laughs> but again, Electro is again one of Spidey's all time most powerful villains. I mean, he's not like Molecule Man powerful like we were talking about in one of our previous podcasts but he has absolute control over electricity and that's one of the forms of energy that is most common and most useful mileage varies with him because his powers seem to fluctuate like your classic electro was a dude who could throw lightning bolts and but then sometimes you get something that's closer to for example that movie well the ultimate or more electro for example is one able to he was made of pure energy without that's pads. what they they were going for that with his power yeah. set i think but well, then they I'm, added in the like the electric eels thing and yeah mm-hmm. but again i'm actually kind of when i was watching that movie i actually had very uh frequent flashbacks to the uh ultimate electro when i was playing uh spider-man shadow dimensions and it's like i'm a being of pure energy Without pants. Because Spidey's <laughs> dead at times. Well, yeah. That's why we love him. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm just saying it's like that's kind of what I was going with, and that Electro was able to merge with buildings and control shit, and it's like that's the potential that the Electro they were building had, and the Electro in the movie And he was getting more and more control well. throughout the yeah, film. Yeah, he did fairly well I feel like well Electro, in a lot that. of ways, uh, falls to... What's his name? Gladiator? From the Shi'ar, the Shi'ar? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah, he's sort of that to hit to that weakness a lot, where it's like he's got the power, but yeah, he, some, sometimes he's like somewhere he's in the shockers category of threat level, and other times he's almost equivalent to an omega level mutant. Yeah, so I think that might be what's going on with him is that he's got some serious self esteem issues. He always has. Okay, fair enough. He, the man, the man has a very fragile ego. To be fair, yeah, and I, like I'm not going to sit here and powers. act like pumpkin pumpkin grenades are uh, going to win that win that fight. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, yeah, like I was saying from the beginning, we were all uh, knocking around the others, but we but nobody mentioned Electro because we all knew that when Electro came Electro into the mix, that. that just that just wins the fight. He's too big of a trump card. That this goes this goes in the fact of like how in production. Like at least half of the script for Amazing Spider-Man, um, and obviously this as in Amazing Spider-Man Two, building from that, that was originally going to just be Spider-Man Four and then Spider-Man Five, and so there is a progression, of a villain progression as far as threat level. Right. So while they are their own respective Spider-Man 1s and 2s to fans of the overall larger franchise, they still have to keep bringing it in ways that will shock and astonish. Yeah. Yes. They have to keep raising the ante. Fair enough. Like, you have to make the movie more impressive than the last one. Right. So Norman Osborn's going to eventually kind of fall to the wayside because we've seen it. We've done it. We've done him. We've done Harry. They decided they had to do Harry again for story reasons, and so they kind of he got his own little note at the end. Well, we, uh, all right. Just to kind of finish this whole thing off, uh, one final question. Uh, We already talked about love interests and such. Uh, The new Spider-Man: Homecoming, which comes out next year. Or, is it next you know, year? This year, if wow. you're... Yeah. Uh, has an actress named Zendaya something or other. The playing, Disney chick? Yeah. Playing That's, Mary she's Jane Mary Jane, Jane, is it? Yeah. yeah. Wait, are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Wow. How do you think that's going to fare from the Spider-Man purists based on the your previous movies that we've already talked about with where the love is I think it has white as hell I think it has serious potential You're saying because I mean, she's a ginger? Hmm? You saying because Mary Jane's classically a ginger? I'm just saying in the past in the movies they've stuck to the the white versions of these uh, people. I um, she's so, don't she's have a so she's so much a redhead that Peter has actually quarreled with Wolverine, assuming that he that Wolverine would want her based <laughs> on just type. 
Well, to be fair, he's not wrong. I mean, I'm pretty sure Wolverine has hit on her in the past. He's hit on her without intention. So it's, Ah. yeah, awkward gray area. Where he's like, I'm not trying to steal your wife, but he has been flirty. Well, she's a supermodel redhead. I think he can be forgiven. (laughs) See, I'm in that... Peter can be forgiven for being like, like, hey, don't hit on my wife. Well, true. Well, it's like... There's the, there's that weird area of like you nobody wants to argue against it and seem racist but at the same time it's like why why do you feel the need to make this character to cast this character as why why do you feel the need to ca- to like Go into I'm not familiar with the Disney chick that has in always been uh, just Caucasian. Should I should I pull up a picture? What's her name? Uh, Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah. I don't know where last. Let me try search. Mary Jane uh, Coleman, I think. Yes, Zen- but she just Daya. goes by Zendaya. But. Uh, so what I wonder is if it's kind of like possibly the uh, the Louis C.K. aspect of the whole thing. Uh, if you're familiar with oh, Louis with C. his K. with his black wife his, on his yeah, show, exactly. His ex-wife is played by a black woman who is just the better actress, even though the people. It's entirely possible. No, he's got he's got two white as all hell. Blonde little girls, and on the TV show, which is, I guess you could say, loosely adapting his life, um, his their mother is black, and you could go into it's like, was there an adoption or some kind of like weird repressed allele or blah blah blah. He's just said, just because, what does it matter? Yeah, was his Again, reasoning. For- I've seen Zendaya act in a couple of things, and she's not bad at all. I don't have a problem thought, with it, and she's in the correct age group as well. Well, that's fine. If, if it makes any difference, though, too, Stan Lee's actually signed off on it. Uh, My problem other. basically comes down to, I feel like <clears throat> you're... I, I feel like the interracial casting for a central character is just starting to go too far out of your way to... Like, this presumes that she's better than anybody else who would actually visibly look the part. Maybe. I mean, I don't know how the casting call went, though, but what if she did just simply rock the audition? And I want to... They, you know, know, what if they held an open casting call and they said... I don't have a specific problem with this so much as I'm voicing why... Uh, why I would have a problem with it as a, as something of a purist myself, like, these are the arguments that come to mind. I think it'll matter as much as it always matters, which is not really, everyone's going to kind of face their inner fanboyism, and then it'll just be the movie. I mean, how much do we care about Black Perry White? We don't, because he's fucking Morpheus, and or, he's awesome. Yeah. Or, uh, what's her name? 
In fairness, Jimmy Perry Olsen White is being a chick. more of a secondary character. Yeah. Well, Again, Olsen, though, Jimmy I Olsen don't think this chick. is the kind of... Th- Jenny Olsen? Well, we have a black Jimmy Olsen on Supergirl, and he's, yeah, he's pretty good. I, I spent uh, approximately one episode being like, this is an odd choice, and then after that, he was just Jimmy yeah. Olsen. But no, uh, just to the whole Jimmy Olsen being a chick thing. Uh, His Jimmy Olsen's a fuck ton better than the Jimmy Olsen Jimmy, of uh, Batman Jimmy Olsen Superman. actually was, was the, uh, the redhead that dies in the beginning of Batman v, uh, v Superman. Huh. They killed off the character. That was Jimmy. That's that's a little well, bit more obvious in the uh, in the director's cut. Fairly like, similarly, they, for example, the last, say his name. Uh, <laughs> the the Kryptonian that he found in Man of Steel in that pod, the skeleton. Mm-hmm. That was Supergirl. That seems unnecessary. Yeah. Why would you already kill off your Supergirl? That series wasn't even a thing yet. Yeah. <laughs> right? <clears throat> but, uh... So... What I'm gathering... Ryan has no problem with it. Connor has huge problems with interracial uh, relationships. Right? <laughs> hey, 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 I, I specifically said I had no problem with it. Don't, don't you start. And I didn't specifically say I have no problem with it. There's a peers part of me in general. Like, I still say that, like... New Barry looks Asian-y, and you were like, he's not even Asian. I'm like, all right. But we have a Barry. He's on TV, and he's awesome. Like, I mean, we all have, like, a little purist voice, so when a character doesn't look how we envision them. But that's, I'm just kind of saying what's going to happen is, if it makes you feel grumbly, we're probably going to grumble, and then we're going to go see the movie, and the movie's probably going to rock, and we're not going to care, because that's usually how this goes. Like, when they were like, Wilson Fisk is a black guy, and we were like, but Wilson Fisk is, like, Irish. And then we saw Daredevil, and it was like, the movie sucked, but Kingpin was okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, that was literally the only redeeming quality of that movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was like, actually not the problem with that movie, and there are problems. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and the other note, too, is that looking at her, like, even by just a pure physicality standpoint, she's not that dark-skinned. She's just... She's not. Not there's like a picture of her and I don't know what it's from I don't know if it's actually her or Photoshop but there's a picture of her with like her hair red and she kind of looks like certain like like canned drawings of MJ from like some of the comics yeah so it's like so it's like like I said I don't actually have a problem with it assuming that she plays the role well and Marvel has been no I think that's her downright awesome with their casting so yeah yeah and again, like, I, I've not had cause, had much cause to regret any of their casting decisions so far. So I'm perfectly willing to put faith in this one. Mm. As as someone who's just who's fact, just yeah, getting uh, older and curmudgeonly, I do roll my eyes every now and then when I look over some of the comics. But I mean, from an open minded standpoint, I think Marvel in general is trying to just openly embrace the notion of inclusion. You see this a lot with their all new thing, and it's usually new characters. But, you know, like, we have a Lady Thor because we don't have a lot of, like, female solo book artists. Um, We have, since they haven't actually had, like, a super active Captain Marvel ever since Marvel died, um, Miss Marvel, who's his legacy hero for years, just, they were like, why don't we just start calling her Captain Marvel because, like, she, you know, she's very active. She's, like, led the Avengers and crap. Miss Marvel now. And isn't Miss Marvel now? And then we have Miss Marvel, who's Muslim. Yeah, she's Muslim. Yeah. 
so now that she's Captain Marvel, we have a Miss Marvel who's an, I, who's I an inhuman of Muslim background. I love Spidey, where she was just, like, geeking out the whole time. Yeah, she... I thought that was Yeah, awesome. she's very much... Like, well, that's she, she's interesting, because she's a teenage really, girl who I, idolized superheroes before she became one. Yeah, like, well, that's my only exposure to her, but that one little short sequence was enough to very much endear her to me. It's one of those moments kind of like at the end of Dark Reign when the full team of heroes is jumping in during the siege on Norman's group and Cap just, mm-hmm. like, wings the shield off of Norman's dome and yells, Avengers, assemble, and the young Avengers are like, that totally includes us, right? And Spider-Man's just like, I know, isn't it cool? <laughs> because Spidey's the one guy who gets it. Spidey, yeah, because, I mean, I love modern yeah, Spidey who's, like, an Avengers attache who designs tech for S.H.I.E.L.D. and runs his own company. Like, can we keep... Can we not find some way to regress Spider-Man back to his aunt's basement? Can we, can yeah, we keep Spidey, Spidey moving forward? But I love the fact that he's always going to be, like... he w- He's the street-level hero who made it big and thus connects best with the small-time guys. He Well, he said that in a recent issue, too. Some, well, not recent, because I'm reading Marvel's Unlimited, so, like, you know, recent minus six months. Um... But uh, someone compared him to. They said, uh, "So you're basically just a poor man's Tony Stark, some some dick reporter, right?" At a at a press conference, and he said, "Keyword on poor, like he." While while you could compare him to like a lot of Stark's initiatives and, and business practices, he um, has a salary cap. He says, "I don't feel right paying myself any more than my middle managers." He he make he makes enough money to Parker. live comfortably, and the rest of it goes into funding his company and the initiatives. I love this guy. I feel like he should at least give himself top management salary, though. Like, come on, <laughs> he probably should he run the He's freaking Spider-Man. He won't. <laughs> I know, but he should. Well, he, he a lot of it too is while he's not paying himself much, he's got a lot of people to keep happy, and also the fact that uh, he is back in the closet as Spider-Man. Um, we we're talking earlier, but there's a character named the Prowler who it moonlights oh, yeah. as Spider-Man right now because the way he the way it's worked out is that he claims he employs Spider-Man as his bodyguard and he so employs he's going the back Prowler to the old Iron Man. Yeah, oh exactly. My God. That's, that's where really that comment came from. That? Yep, he employs Spider-Man as his bodyguard and he employs the Prowler as his head of security. So basically when Peter needs to appear with Spider-Man the Prowler will put on a Spider-Man costume, and he's got the physicality to kind of short-term pull it off. He doesn't have Spidey sense. He doesn't have super enhanced strength. Like, he, he's, he's, he's enhanced, but he's Batman. not. He yeah, he's somewhere insane. in a Batman kind of category. So he can web-sling, and he can maneuver, and he can handle your odd scrap. But um, he's much more of a okay. stealthy character. That's I mean, his name's the Prowler. <laughs> so when Spider-Man needs to team up with the Prowler, that is the bodyguard and the head of security. But when Peter just needs to be seen in public with Spidey, Hobie puts on a Spidey costume. And attempts to quip and fails at it. <laughs> and it's hilarious. That sounds actually awesome. Ow. So uh, one little thing about Mary Jane before we uh, go off. Like I say, that Mary story, Jane in Homecoming? Right. Yeah, they, that story broke that Zendaya was playing Mary Jane and not some other character. And the internet mm-hmm. just went, meh. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's always a handful of people that are going to go up on Reddit and flip out. But that's the thing, like, like the entire internet just kind of went, eh, okay. 
and no one well i think that falls under too like everybody's kind of learned by now that marvel knows what they're doing so nobody's gonna really get upset at this i mean you know of all the categories i mean we what's a slightly darker mj when we've got like a an aunt may minus like 40 years (laughs) right like what what was what was tony's name aunt hottie (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aunt's coming all. I, I love how she just directly almost talking to like the the angry nerds on Reddit. She's like, "Aunt's coming all sizes and shapes." Yep. But we also have you know a almost sixty year old Tony Stark right now. True. <laughs> to be fair, he's Tony Stark didn't start at almost sixty years old, but he is still Tony Stark because he is the best man for the job, and no one is arguing that point. Oh, yeah. No, no. You yeah. mean Iron Man, I presume? Yeah. Yes. He's still Tony Stark. So no they do, they, they very much, I feel like the comics are setting up concepts to ease us into some of these actors need, go, needing to move on past these roles. And we even see, like, Tony Stark is starting to seem like he's kind of tired. I don't mean that as in Robert Downey Jr. is putting an entire performance. I mean the character, like, the weight of... The life of Stark is weighing on him. He want he very much seems like he wants to be a guy who could settle down with Pepper and just have a respectable and, business. And we but he keeps he keeps feeling compelled to try to save the world. And we could give it to Riri. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they've introduced a Riri character. I can't Ooh. remember what her last name is. You also have a Young Avengers potential route, and you could have Iron Lad if they want to. If they, I don't even know. They probably don't have. Wait, are you guys talking about that new Marvel chick who's supposedly the smartest person in the Marvel universe, beating out even Reed Richards and Doctor Doom? Which is which really ticks me off because Uh, Amadeus Cho, motherfuckers. Oh, who is now our Hulk as well? Can you say Mary Sue? Yeah, right. Come on. Oh. How can you? How can you out Mary Sue Silk? (laughs) They managed it. But uh, no, we have um, Amadeus Choke is now the all new Hulk. All new Hulk, yeah. Which, Hulk? Uh, yes. Amadeus Cho is the Hulk. Yes. He is the smartest and strongest man in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> that would be a Gary Stu. <laughs> but yes, Amadeus Cho. That, that must have been Duncan. That was definitely a Duncan sigh. That was a Duncan yes. sigh. Yes, yes, it was. I feel no shame in this. Seeing that we just Mm -hmm. introduced his mother in Age of Ultron, we could have an Amadeus Cho. And then, we don't know if they killed her or not. Yeah. We could have Amadeus Cho coming in and taking over for uh, Mark Ruffalo later on, you know, down the line. Right. Uh, Or, you know, potentially going the Doc Samson route. I wouldn't mind. They, I, I'm almost. Uh, all right. What do you guys think they'll do if Chris, if when Chris Evans wants out, do we do the uh, Bucky as a cap with a metal arm and a pistol, or do we do one of our two potential Black Captain America options? One being the current all new, as in Falcon, or two they could uh, use um, uh, what's his name from Young Avengers? Is it is, is it Isaiah or is Isaiah his father who was also briefly Captain America? A lot of people held that man. Um, I vote Bucky. Personally, I feel like the story's kind of setting up Bucky, but the Marvel comics themselves have gone all in with the Falcon route, and both are very much... I could see either of them stepping up to the role within the context of the MCU. 
It's possible. I would prefer Bucky. I mean, heck, Clint could do it. Clint almost did it when he gave it up to Bucky. He was the first pick. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, no, I don't want that responsibility. I can see that. Jeremy Renner was actually... And I can understand why perhaps Clint wouldn't trust himself. Right. Clint's more of an everyman than, like, the heart and soul kind of thing that Cap needs to do. And B, so True, I True, and they, they've also set up Clint as a family man who's like kind of babysitting his super friends at this point. Yeah. There's, so he seems to have one door, what, one foot in retirement. I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I love Clint. And I have bow and arrow. I didn't I lo- used to so no, much. We were just, I, just, I love him now. Like we were talking about last week, both DC and Marvel have found a way to take their dudes with bows and arrows who really don't make sense on their superpowered teams and made them awesome. Mm-hmm. Marvel yes. by calling it out as if they see it. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Marvel's just, now this guy is just uh, straight up raw Batman level training awesome. And also, yes, this is also ridiculous and everybody knows it, including him. <laughs> All right. So Move on. on. <laughs> Uh, this is how this has been our uh, Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man debate, <laughs> along with everything else. Yeah, along with everything else, like everything kind of devolves into the. Well, Miss at least Marvel this one specifically was set up as a debate. Yeah, the the yeah, most Marvel right. comic books that we call CB two MP. Well, I guess we'll see you guys next time. Say goodnight, Ryan. Good night, Ryan.